0: I'm sitting in a casino in Las Vegas, and uh, to my immediate left is uh, Jay Guilford, who is the uh, creator and content strategist at Spark. But I think people would really know the the big brand behind that, which yes. is
1: Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil, Circus of the Sun, yes. And we are surrounded by your uh, brands and products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go a quarter mile on the strip without being touched by Cirque
0: I look out of my window in the hotel I'm staying at and I can see banners for Cirque shows yeah. across the
1: desert. Seven. We have seven <laughs> on the Strip. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I think that it's, it's really extraordinary when you when you look at the growth of what started out as uh, street performers like yeah, 30 years ago. Yeah.
1: That's interesting, yeah, because 30 years ago, or 31 years ago now, um, Guy Le Liberté, uh, Gilles saint croix and Guy Caron, they were street performers. and they had this idea that they would transform the circus Do you know this so our first show was titled and my french is really bad so don't laugh at me it's Lee Cirque Reinventi we reinvent the circus and what was interesting about that to me was they were sitting in the shadows of big box circuses like Big Apple and um, uh, the Circus of China and they dared to reinvent the circus and
0: um, And I guess it's testament to that in that I don't think people even really consciously associate think of circus, circus as, now at all. Yeah, like no, it. no. Um, because they sort of, you know, deconstructed the elements. They said, well, yeah. I guess, how can we do this without elephants?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, I think part of it, I don't know which is true. Some people say Cirque does not have uh, animals because, you know, animals, rights and all of this. And some people say Cirque does not have animals because in the very beginning, we were a startup. We were a nonprofit and we were... You know, we had two dollars and a biscuit in our pockets and animals are expensive. So. so
0: I think it's it's quite appropriate that companies now look to CERC to try and understand not just the secrets of the success, but yeah. how it maintains its ability to constantly reinvent itself. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and learn about innovation and teamwork, which is really what Spark is all about, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, Spark is um training teamwork and professional development experiences heightened by Cirque du Soleil, heightened right. by Cirque du Soleil. So, so do you
0: get executives who literally want to be able to do these crazy stunts? Or yeah, yeah. You lead them on the highway? Yeah,
1: we did mm-hmm. Google, we did Adobe, we've done Kmart Australia and some of them get on the Circeau, which is a hoop. Um, they learn clowning. Uh, have you seen Michael Jackson 1? No. No, well in Michael Jackson 1 there's a shadow sequence and people learn shadow sequence. They learn minor acrobatics, <laughs> you know, our insurance doesn't cover triple uh, flips with CEOs, but yeah, we put them on the The equipment. HR
0: departments must love you guys. They, they you might, you might, legal is <laughs> really might, excited <laughs> with this. So what's what, how did this start at Because I know other companies, you know, famously try to export their brand and intellectual property. Yeah. Disney were one of the first. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and they're doing a great job of it.
0: Even people turn up at
1: Toyota factories yeah, in the yeah, old days yeah, to try yeah, and learn yeah, the, the, kind of the Toyota yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened with us was that First and foremost, we were getting a lot of calls. Like uh, I think we had forayed into this, we had tried several times, um, or dabbled, not really tried really. We were getting calls from companies saying, um, we wanna learn how, how you innovate, how you, um, how you continually reinvent yourself. So, and the second thing was that, um, we had a, a, a division called Cirque Hospitality, and what they said was that, hey, we should try this teamwork and collaboration, the communication thing, And I jumped in and I said, hey, I may know how to do that. And they stuck me in an office and they said, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'll teach you to volunteer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Talk about experiential learning.
0: uh, There are a lot of, I guess, you know, corporate America is full of... uh, unusual places to learn teamwork. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have generals teaching you about teamwork, you know, you can have... Second City Works. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there, there's uh, fighter pilots. Yeah. So, so what can you, what can circus performance teach you about teamwork that you couldn't learn elsewhere, anywhere else?
1: Well, I think the thing about, one thing that we've seen with um, Spark Sessions by Cirque du Soleil is that. Uh, I remember, I can give you a very specific story, we had um, a company, I'm not gonna name them, but uh, one of my facilitators, she was new, she came in, and we had, um, this company had come into the Ka Theater, it's nine stories high, it has this um, 40-ton stage, which rotates 360 degrees, the acrobats performed vertically on the stage, and this company walked in, and they were like 10 times our size, and there were CEOs there, and they all had their hands folded, and the facilitator was like, "What is wrong? Why do they have the hands folded?" I said, "Well, it's because they're nervous." And she said, "Why are they nervous?" And I said, "Because they don't know what's going to happen." And that's a positive tension that we can give to corporations because I like to say that the circus space is the great equalizer. No one knows what a surso is. Do You know what a surso is? No. So exactly. So when you're a CEO and I say I'm going to put you on a surso and you're going to learn something from it, you're going to learn healthy risk taking. There's a, I I like to call it a positive ignorance or a positive tension that happens. So it's different from all of the other uh, offerings, which are also great, because it's so foreign to everyone. Very few people have been on a Cirque du Soleil stage. So yeah. Uh, So what? I mean, when when you're bringing new performers
0: that have never worked together, how? And and this is very high risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you break them in essentially yeah. like, like what, what happens in that first four weeks
1: when they first well start we just it? put them up on the stair and they go no no <laughs> <laughs> no look, what's really interesting is that about 30 percent you of almost our- need to break them psychologically yeah, you, 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 you <laughs> not break them i wouldn't say break them psychologically i would say build them psychologically right. um because i would say about 30 percent of our acrobats come from gymnastics and um people have this false assumption that hey, you're a gymnast. You can just get on stage and go. But gymnastics is not performance. It's very, very different. So gymnastics is very linear, very rigid, very da-da-da-da-da-da, round off back handspring, stick it, you don't smile unless you get a gold medal. Um, But circus is very fluffy and very la-la-la-la-la, very performative and emotive. So we have to transform competitive gymnasts and two collaborative athletes, <laughs> and and at O, for example, many of the synchronized swimmers competed against each other. Right. So um, because you
0: don't want Tonya Harding type. No, no, we don't, we don't. We don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We don't want that type. Um, so what they do is that they go to Montreal. They go through a series of classes. Buffon. They go through Comedia del Arte. They go through acting classes, and then slowly but surely, they are transformed. And they may ask. They ask them strange questions like act like the color purple or um, show us how the sky feels and these are questions can you show us how the sky feels Can you do that? <laughs> no,
0: I, uh, I, I, i'm always amazed at people that are emotionally uh, yeah. like
1: uh, emotive in that way but, but they're I, not they're not in the beginning and and i think it's a testament to this idea that everyone can be innovative and everyone can be creative because gymnasts are not if you look at gymnastics it's very linear it's very rigid when you're on the balance beam you're alone when you're on the floor you're alone. When you're on the puma forest, you're alone. When you're on a Cir- Cirque stage, you are with 20 other people and you are in front of 1,800 people. So there is this whole series, this whole process of integration where we take them through these types of classes where it transforms them. Do
0: you, um, do you think corporate executives are essentially linear similar, yeah. similar to, to linear gymnasts yeah, in that yeah. respect?
1: Yeah, I think so because I think What's interesting about Cirque, and and the reason why I like to say we're not good at everything, but we're really great at innovation, creativity, and all of those buzzwords you hear about today because we're both a corporate entity and we're a contemporary circus. So by default, we have to take creative approaches to corporate practices. Well,
0: in in a way, I mean, you could could see you guys as producing movies or producing spin-out businesses because each of the shows have distinct brands and production. How, well, what is that process at Cirque? Like, I mean, how, where do the ideas come from? How do yeah. they get internally funded? Yeah, well...
1: How do they get staffed up? Well, it, it all happens in Montreal, and it begins with the creation process, and people pitch different ideas, and... Um, can ideas come from anywhere? They can come from anywhere. They can come right. from artists. Like, even some of the elements you see in the show, our show that just closed Arcana, there's a sequence where they have a light bulb, and all of the white movers are following the light bulb, that came from artists playing around. And I think um, the process is, you know, we have a process where you go pitch an idea, it goes before a board and people say yes or no, or they say continue to explore. Um, I think that's part of the process. I think that what's really interesting is that we offer a lot of flexibility within the framework. So um, we've spent tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on projects that have not succeeded necessarily, but we don't call them failure, we learn different things from them. So there is a propulsion project that we had in Montreal where they were trying to figure out propulsion and extreme sports. From that failure, or people would call it failure, came Volta, which is our new show. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you have a formal R&D department or is it kind of dispersed more loosely throughout the organization?
1: We have a we have a formal R&D department and um, Like you said, anyone can pitch ideas. The idea for this team building and training session came at once from Cirque Hospitality, and then from little old me waving my hand and I was in philanthropy, which had nothing to do with hospitality. And because Cirque is literally so open to hearing everyone's ideas, um, we came to this thing called Spark and now we're hosting Fortune 500 companies.
0: Let's talk a little bit about you know, Cirque's approach to innovation. one of the, the things that we spoke of before, which I found really fascinating, is this idea of hybridization. Yeah. You know, the kind of the bringing together of very disparate elements. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think, you know, we are talking before about a previous guest I had, Magnus. He was, yeah, talking, about Mag- that in, he yeah. was talking about that in music, right? Yeah, that yeah. You know, c- conflicting elements create a sort of a... You were sort talking of ABBA, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can
1: you talk about how... <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too old, young to remember ABBA, yeah, but yeah, other yeah, do yeah.
0: <laughs> So So how, how, how does Cirque, you know, use that, you know, to create compelling... Get
1: content. Well, if you look at any Cirque show, it's it's once it's pointed out, it's very clear. So, for example, when you see O, O has a one point five million gallon pool that goes from solid to liquid in twenty seconds. But then there's also fire elements. There's also wind elements, and one of the unique elements on O is a bateau. It's the swinging boat. Do you remember this? Yeah. So it's at once an aerial uh, apparatus, and it's at once partner stunts because people are catching each other, and then it's parallel bars too. So it's those those hybridizing those disparate elements create this more impactful experience. I like to call it like the the chocolate-covered bacon approach. It's like you, it doesn't sound like it should go together, but it should. Yeah. Well,
0: what what can what can we learn from that? Because often people have the I would say the kind of the Transformers approach. Yeah. You know, to, to shock and awe, which is just yeah. bigger, crazier special effects. Yeah. But but if that hybridization suggests that those real moments of wonder don't necessarily come from the biggest explosions or bangs. Yeah. They come from a sense of the unexpected.
1: Yeah, I think I think we have to look at what we have and how to repurpose it. It's like there's this whole movement in the U.S. in the, in the 90s where people were using um, doors as desks. I don't know if you... you well, that,
0: that was famous, I think... Um, Jeff Bezos did their at Amazon. Yeah,
1: and so and, and that, that's that's hybridization. I mean, that's that's taking something and repurposing it. And I think that in corporations, what they should do is look at what they have. I, I think my favorite example is the self-adhesive stamp. It's like someone said, make it a sticker. You know, it's just taking two different things and putting them together, a stamp and a sticker. And it's kind of changed the world. We don't have to lick stamps anymore. So corporations should take what they have um, two disparate elements and look at how to put them together. I think that's different from looking outside at other models or thinking you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on an app or some type of technology. Yeah.
0: Tell me a bit more about theatricality. Um, you know, what are the elements of, of, of creating great theatre and, and how does it change the way we perceive experiences?
1: Um, at Cirque specifically, we think of theatricality as an interaction between the audience. It's not a one-way experience, so um, if you've gone to any Cirque show, I always tell people go early, go 10 to 15 minutes early, because there's going to be free animation. So for example, when you go to the MJ1 show, I won't spoil it for you, but there will be people walking through the audience, and it's going to take you a while to figure out that those are um, characters in the show. Um, If you go to Mystere, there's going to be someone interacting with you and there are moments in almost every show where we bring people up onto the stage to participate in the show. And Zumanity, which is our adult show, um, they come on and they participate in it. Because it's a comedy show, whatever they give you is what the clowns or the artists have to give back. And so for us, the actuality is at once creating something dynamic and, you know, circus big, so it's gonna be immersive, and it's memorable, and it's a two-way process. It's you're using what the audience is giving you, and I think that if you, have you seen z No, no. So we have to take you there. I'm gonna get you some tickets no, tonight, if you're still Because what happens in that show, and many other shows, is that you pull someone up in a moment, and, it, and depending on how they respond to that moment, the show changes. It's like almost like choose your own adventure. So I think that theatricality at Cirque is a couple of things. Um, I think it's one, the spaces are custom built for the shows. So the space in itself is a character. The Ka theater is nine stories high. It's shaped like the hull of a ship. It is a character. And then there's that interaction with the audience. So when you go to Ka, you're immersed. You're literally immersed. There are, there, are audience, there are artists on the rafters and they're banging drums. So it's this immersive interactive two-way experience which is very different from sitting back in your seats and consuming a play and i, and I, I want to say like even the build out of the theaters does that like you don't notice this but at michael jackson one there is one speaker in the front and two speakers in the back of each seat because we want you to be immersed we want michael to be whispering in your ear
0: well, what what is the, the sort of the design philosophy when they sort of put these things together i mean mm-hmm. part of the magic of this is that the, The technology is hidden. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, you don't, you perceive its effect, but you're not making a fuss that it's there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I I would say that at Cirque du Soleil, in Vegas specifically, one of the core design philosophies is that the theaters are custom built and they have to serve the purpose of the show. The reason why Michael Jackson One has 5,400 speakers is because it's paying homage to the king of pop. So it has to serve the purpose of the show. If you look at the Beatles' love, most people don't notice this, but the stage moves and it lifts and it has all of this dynamic stuff, but it's shaped like the Union Jack, the British flag, because it has to serve the purpose of the show. And so um, the the philosophy behind Cirque, when we're designing shows, specifically our theaters, is that it has to be immersive. It has to transport. And each show and each um, theater has to be unique. And that also serves a business purpose. It's like, if you say you've seen Cirque, I have people say, I've seen Cirque. Say, I've seen, you know, oh, I said, that's a 1.5 million gallon pool. Have you seen the stage that rotates? And they say, no. And I say, have you seen the stage that's shaped like the, Be- Beetle- the British flag? So at once, it's a design philosophy based on our aesthetic and our, our challenge to constantly um, push the envelope and innovate um, beyond ourselves. How,
0: how do you do that? I, I mean, how do you keep topping yourself I mean, did you start with? Does it literally start like that, saying, "How can we do something bigger than a pool that can drain itself in seconds? Like, what's you know, the what's the next big crazy technological feat?"
1: Well, you know, it actually starts from um, just creative inspiration. Like Bernard Pretois who worked on Volta, um, it is extreme sports, acrobatics, parkour, and circus arts. That's the <laughs> that's the, that's the hybridization there. Um, it was really just about. Um, Doing something different, something new, something fresh, something millennial, um, and it, it, uh, at, at very few of these creative meetings, for better or for worse, is your uh, initial talks about numbers. It's not. What is this going to cost or what market are we trying to reach? It's really more about telling a story. Right. Um, it, literally. They don't it, L- it, 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 down and go, how, it, how do
0: we reach 35 to 45 soccer moms who no, are Vegas No, no, no,
1: no, no, no. It's really about, it's like, how do we tell this story of transformation in the digital age, which is what Volta tells.
0: So is, is that really what the
1: what the core show premise is behind Volta? Yeah, yeah Volta literally means change. Have you seen it? No, well, tell I, me about if, it. If, So, what's interesting about Volta is that, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but there is a main character who um, is going in one very great direction, and then his life takes a sharp turn. And when you see the show, there are acts where there are literally sharp turns. When you watch the preview of Volta, and you look at the logo, it goes, it's a V, it goes, oh, this, this, this. People can't see what I'm doing, but if you watch the logo, you'll see. And that logo literally makes those sharp turns. So... um, I think in every Cirque show, what people say to me when they see the show is, it has no story, it has no story, Lanuba has no story. Lanuba has this clear story, it's the story of transformation. The urbains are marching and in their drab uniforms, and these colorful searchers come out and they interact with the urbains such that they, find, they o- find their own creative selves. So, um, um, Zarkana had a story, it was about uh, a guy who entered an old theater and he was transformed and taken through all these different. So transformation
0: worlds. Is, a, is a common theme.
1: In almost every show. Yeah. In almost every show, yeah. How,
0: I mean, p- part of um, these new shows is a is a desire to connect with this new generation yeah. and the themes. The digital world you mentioned. Yeah. What is the process for internally for making sure that you're up to date with what's happening at street level? Yeah. I mean, how do you? I mean, if Cirque started 30 years ago with street performers literally yeah. on the street with, 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 with crowds, how do you, now that you're a multi-billion dollar enterprise, yeah. how do you retain that edge?
1: So we do, very, we do some very basic things. We do surveys, we do R&D. One thing that we do here in Vegas is that we spy on our audience. So we go out, um, we see the shows, and then we sit in the lobby and we listen to what they have to say or what they're saying. And some of the elements are saying like, oh, that part was boring or that was slow. We go and take that feedback to our artistic teams and they make the changes accordingly. Um, And another thing that we do is that we're always recruiting um, fresh faces. Um, I remember specifically a lesson I learned at Cirque from our former VP of marketing and sales is you gotta listen to everyone, even the interns. So there is a moment, um, and this is a, a key to how we remain fresh and this is gonna tell on me a bit, there's a moment where I had a quarter of a million dollar deal for Spark on the table. They're cheering for it right now. <laughs> had a quarter of a million dollar deal for Spark on the table. And the VP of marketing itself, she was in a meeting. And I had a meeting with her at 4.30 because we had to talk to Australia at five. And I'm like, okay, if she is late for her meeting, there must be somebody really important in that office. So I'm like, there's gonna be like the VP from Caesars or there's gonna be the head of food and beverage from, you know, uh, I don't know, um, the Mirage. I'm sitting, I'm waiting for 20 minutes, and she knows I have this quarter million dollar deal. Out walks the intern, the marketing intern, and, you know, I go in, and and I'm not furious, but I'm curious with a slight bit of fury, and I'm like, Alma, like, you know, you you know we had this meeting. I need you to sign this by five. Why are you wasting time talking to the intern? And she told me that the intern had given her some really great ideas about marketing and that if you listen to everyone, especially the, the young people, that's where the fresh ideas are coming from. <laughs> but I'll tell you a week later, that intern walked into my office and I had a presentation on brand strategy. This word I just made up, brand strategy. It wasn't a real thing, but I made it up. and said, this sounds cool. And the customer bought it, literally. And I had a presentation and I did not know what I was gonna talk about. It was two weeks later and the intern walked in and she sat down and i was like why is she here and she said i know you have a presentation on brand i have some advice for you and um i was i was kind of like you're like i've been doing this for like 20 years you have advice for me but she recommended a book brand gap i read the book brand gap and it became central to my presentation so one of the ways that we remain fresh is to remain open and especially to millennials i think that there's this whole millennial bashing thing going on do you agree with me i love fashion yeah 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 but i I think when people talk about millennials and they say oh they want um you know uh high wages and they want to grow quickly and they want an environment that's dynamic i'm like don't we all want that (laughs) like don't we all so i think that there's this thing that if we step away from bashing the millennials and embrace their perspective um, that's how we've grown, especially at our residential division at Cirque du Soleil. The,
0: the, the first time you ran the program, it, it was challenging. I yeah. Mean, you said it was we amazing. failed. I no. said we
1: failed. Well, why? Like- we failed because we um, made the mistake of being arrogant. We thought that, oh, you know, we run multi-million dollar shows. This is a $40,000 corporate event. We turned it over to the show team. We said, go do this. This is a Fortune 100 company too. I call it, um, you know, the unfortunate 500 company because we turned it over to the show. We said, they want this, this and this. Um, but we didn't realize that it had to be choreographed. So this company walks in, uh, C-level executives. Oh, right.
0: So you actually have the same logic of choreography
1: to, to a training event. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't understand. Oh. They walked in, someone needed to greet them. Um, um, they were in a huge casino. They needed human arrows. We didn't have those. Um, um, we didn't frame the, the, the discussion, and we thought that we could rely on our bells and whistles. We were like, you're in this theater, I'm not gonna name the theater, but you're in this amazing theater, and we're gonna turn on the speakers, and we're gonna turn on the lights. But they were there for content. They wanted to understand how we innovated, why we innovated, what were our obstacles, right. and then of course- They didn't we, just want to see the, 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 the machine- The shiny stuff, the no. Right, they, right. They, they, they didn't want to see the machine, they wanted to see beneath the hood. And um, it was a failure. I mean, I was sitting behind the audience as I often do to see their reaction. Two minutes into it, our uh, operations productions manager—he's talking about the the sound system. They're into it. He's talking about the witness. They're into it. Five minutes, they're not so into it. Ten minutes, they're pulling out the phones. They're tweeting. I don't know what about, but it wasn't—it wasn't, wasn't something good. good. Um, Uh, 30 minutes, they're literally rolling their eyes. And then, of course, we pull out an artist and we have him do something fabulous on stage, but it couldn't save the show. So from that first failure, we understood that corporate events and team building are very different from putting on a show. And we did our homework, you know, we studied.
0: But but in a way, you need to create a show of teaching people how to put on a show.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and from that, what we did, we, we went back to our roots and we said, Every moment needs to be magical. Every moment needs to be wild. Wow. So we do some large, great, fantastic things, but some small things that we do that are magical that really catch people is that we use a throwable microphone, a catch box. Yeah. You know, it's $500 investment. Every, many companies use it, but I promise you, I'm standing up on the cost stage and every time I'm presenting before a group and they've seen the stage just all its bells and whistles and I'm like, now it's time for questions we're going to use our throwable microphones, and that's when they gasp. It's it's not not the big stuff. Um, For Kmart Australia, we were breaking their 360 employees out into groups across three theaters, so we had three characters on stage, and they had gotten different name badges, and the the participants were asking, like, "Why why do I have this character? Why do you have that character? And we made the announcement to say that that character that you have on your name badge relates to the show you're going to see and the experience you're going to have and that little moment of surprise was really important Mm -hmm. so I think that's the other thing that we learned and corporations can learn when we think about like these things like disruption and innovation and and brand we often think about the big things but it's the Mm -hmm. small choreographed surprises that can be just as impactful. I
0: mean, taking that logic, you know, strangely, even though we're in this time when you know e-commerce is becoming so powerful and people are talking about you know greater levels of automation, yeah. strangely enough, retail and the physical environments around yeah. brands are becoming you know more significant because if you're going to have a physical space, you need to have the theatricality. Otherwise, you might as well just buy it online from yeah. on Amazon. Right?
1: Exactly. So,
0: exactly. if you're a brand today, trying to think about. Choreographing those moments in yeah. retail environments. Yeah. What are some things that you know people can learn from from the circus? I guess? Yeah. I,
1: it's very uh, MGM. I just I've been working with them, and they, their theme is "We are the show," and, and every moment is a show. So for every employee they need to always be on stage. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but it's some very basic lessons. I remember reading, and I can't remember from who. It's like answer the phone with a smile in your voice. They should hear the smile. You know, um, Disney, every time you walk into their property, I was at Disney a few months ago, the guy said, welcome home, you know, and and I was like, this is not my home. You know, it was kind of strange, but I think that um, understanding the value of genuine customer service um, from the heart and really having a mantra that um, speaks to all, or that clearly communicates what that is. At Spark we say um, uh, exceptional consumer experiences. And everyone who joins the Spark team, everyone we work with, every theater we go to, um, every cast and crew we work with, we talk about that first and foremost. And for us, uh, exceptional consumer experiences is not just the CEO or the event planner, it's us interacting with each other. Are those
0: experiences in a show at Cirque uh, mapped out? I mean, do actually people think about the emotional journey?
1: Yeah yeah they do From the audience perspective yeah they do and if you um if you see any of our shows it, it, it there's it always come leads to a run-up where there's this big emotional cathartic moment like for example in Mysterious, the story of Mysterious, is that there is this this kid who drops a ball and he goes into this magical world and throughout the world there are these different rites of passage and as the rites of passage, um, like the hero's journey. Yeah, right? the hero's journey. And at the end, um, the, the big balloon makes its appearance and that signals that um, he's made it to the other side. So there is this uh, loose, very interpretive journey, but it is a journey all the same. Yeah,
0: which I guess, you know, it's interesting that transformation is such a big part of your themes because it's also what every leader is worried about today yeah you know, how yeah. do you
1: transform your businesses and your leadership yeah. teams yeah. in this time yeah and i think yeah that's interesting because i think when people think of transformation they think of the newspaper and they begin to shake in their boots because they think it's going to be digital yeah. that's the assumption tonight and, and you yeah. were talking about this you you challenged this a lot that we assume that the world is going to be digital but then on the other hand of it we have um, a lot of research the about the experience economy top golf you know is is um, a a lot of businesses are reverting to experiences or adding experiences to their services because they understand that many people are no longer interested in material goods they're no longer interested in just services they're interested in experiences and creating memorable moments you know so when you look at the explosion of things like when i go I, i go to like even starbucks or whole foods and you think you're just buying coffee but you're really engaging in an experience. Whole Foods has done that because- And very expensive coffee. Very expensive <laughs> coffee. Well, and Whole Foods has done this. I, I, I realized that when when I went to another coffee vendor and I asked for a coffee and I asked for a tall, and she was like, she was offended. She was like, you mean a small? I was like, oh yeah, I've been, I've been Starbucks. You know? <laughs> But they've created this type of experience. Even the fact that they have, you know, millions of people in the world saying, called Grande Vente, It's they, they've done, they've revolutionized it. And that's not technology. You know, that has nothing to do with technology or, yeah. It is, and it's also quite terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's Jay, so has
0: been really, it's really great hanging out yeah. and uh, talking about all things Cirque. Uh, good to see you and thanks for being on the show. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Mike. You've been listening to Between Worlds, For more episodes and information on how to subscribe to our podcast, please visit www.mike-walsh.com slash between worlds.